0: Well, it's about Trinity, so naturally there's three reasons why I chose this subject. (laughs) First off, because it fits within the Unitarian Universalist sources of belief. Our third source of faith, quote, wisdom from the world's religions which inspires us in our ethical and spiritual life. My second reason is to provide you with a second tool to go along with your elevator summary. Everybody's got one. I'm sure a few years back the UUs were pushing that every Unitarian should have a short explanation of what Unitarianism means to them that they can tell in the time it would take to go five floors on an elevator. So if you haven't finished that, You might incorporate the trinity in it. But mainly it's to provide you with the trinity, alternative trinity that might apply to a Unitarian's personal spiritual path. I feel Unitarians have to be pretty strong to come to a church like this because everybody's going to disagree with you no matter what you happen to believe or not believe. So... Use one of these. Please don't, there's nine different Eastern religions here, but don't try to memorize it thinking there's a test afterwards. If you feel something that's attracted to you personally, jot it down, Google it, and see if that religion's trinity is something you can incorporate into your personal path. The third reason is personal. I'm a Taoist, that's an Eastern religion, they are really big on threes. That's why they have 81 chapters in the Tao Te Ching because it's divisible by three. And so I've decided that I need to move toward trinities from the Western concepts of dualities that are you know, young and old, tall and short, fat and skinny, just everything's duality. So I'm going to complicate my life by moving to think more about trinities, which is where that came from. Now, the theme is to compare these Eastern trinities with Western. So I'm going to uh, start off with the Western trinity, just three of them, to give you something to compare with. Uh, Gore Vidal calls these the three anti-human religions of the God of Abraham. The first, historically, is the Jewish Western faith, which has Elohim, the creator God, creating man in chapter 1 of Genesis, and then creating man in chapter 2 of Genesis. The first man becomes the Gentile, or them The second, Adam, who we talked of earlier, becomes the second man, who's us, the Jew. So here we have a duality created from this trinity. Then came Christianity. I don't think there's any need for me to expound on God the Father, Abba, Jesus, whose God is man, his Son, and the Holy Ghost, the trinity of Christianity, The Islamic trinity I kind of created like the Jewish trinity in that they have basically what I understand to be three different vehicles from which they approach Allah. The Shi'i believe in following the bloodline. The the, uh, imams are centered towards the lineage of Muhammad, whereas... So while they work with the person, the prophet, the Sunni emphasize the the writings of the prophet or the scriptures. And so they are into the Koran as the vehicle which helps them approach their deity. And then the Sufis, most Unitarians favorites, believe that they can directly access God through uh, their own growing in love, which they see God as being. So anytime you want to talk about Eastern Trinities, you probably want to start just as uh, the Jewish faith could be called the father of these Western Trinities. The mother of Eastern Trinities is probably going to be the Vedic faith, which is uh, from India. The Vedas and the Upanishads are, are their scriptures, And they believe in a trinity called the Trimurti. And this Trimurti has the deities leading creation and existence in a circular pattern where the first deity, Brahma, all of these three are manifestations of the one deity, Brahman, with an N. But Brahma is the integrate or pre-existing eternal thing from which all existence originates. He originates existence. Then Vishnu preserves existence. And finally, Shiva dissolves existence and it goes back into Brahma and then around and around. Now, these three deities have three (coughs) consorts, female deities, that the Indian people who follow the Vedic teachings pray to. They pray to Lakshmi for material aid, Durga for spiritual aid, and then Saraswati for cultural aid. So you can see the three different aspects of their social organization that they share with these female deities. Now, I think that uh, Shiva deserves a little more attention because if you've ever seen a deity of Shiva, he has three eyes, so he's got this trinity of eyes, and he also holds a trident, and the trident has three prongs, and these three prongs stand for another eastern trinity, the trinity of the Gunas, as taught in yoga. Now these gunas are the qualities of pure potential. They are the source, the spark plug, so to speak, of where different parts of existence come from. So traditionally they have they have three deities and the same three trinity, Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma, but they have the guna, Vishnu has the guna of sattva come for spiritual eternal, everlasting beings which they feel originated from the light of stars. So that's your spiritual kind of aspect of reality. And then Shiva handles the material existence which is created through the Guna of Tamas. And Tamas originates in the light of lava. So it's a more earthy, comprehension and in the middle plane between the two sort of the astral plane or the emotional plane is generated in the light of lightning by and it is comes from the guna rahas now the other reason we should look at shiva a little bit better is because shiva has a religion of his own Shaivism. And he takes the place, kind of like an overthrow of Brahma, in that he becomes the eternal, everlasting, uh, infinite source of everything. And Shakti is the deity which has the instrumental or bringing into existence of a single thing, while Bindu has the more material Aspect of having that thing with a linear uh, destiny or uh, life's cycle or style. So you can see the idea of the "I am" of the Jewish faith being expressed in this I am" in Shaivism. that one of the interesting things about Bindu is he is portrayed as a point which has no dimension at all. Which, which shows you their ability to comprehend things before they actually come into physical existence. So their trinity, the causes of creation, are three different deities from the Vedic deities. Now let's look at three Buddhist trinities. The first one is of Buddhism in general, the refuges. A lot of you probably familiar with three refuges, Buddha, Sangha, and Dharma, where the Sangha is the fellowship or the group or the uh, saints or the priesthood. Then the Dharma is the teachings or the sutras or the Koran uh, in the, in the uh, Muslim faith. And then Buddha is not the person Buddha, Sahatma, uh, whatever his name was, who was actually was enlightened under the Bodhi tree, he, this term Buddha is the awakened being of unity that we, we all are an aspect of, which when that third eye opens, we realize the existence of. Now, if we want to go into the actual person Buddha, we would go into the largest of the Buddhist faiths, which is Mahayana Buddhism. They have a trinity of three teachers. Here we find Sakyamuni, the physical manifestation of Buddha that we're familiar with in the stories. He, he was manifested as, as a being and he attained enlightenment in the present of his physical being. Now the other two teachers are students historical students of the physical Buddha. And uh, Marjusri is said to have attained his enlightenment through meditating on the teachings of Buddha. He was the first disciple to be enlightened. So he represents the teachers who can teach enlightenment through meditation, which moves you past the concept of time. And then the other disciple... Samadabhadra is said to have come into existence already enlightened. So he actually represents primordial teachers before this plane who have enlightenment before they even come in to the idea of time. Now one other aspect of Buddhism that considers the... the, uh, Japanese spinoff, off which you find in the story of the Taming of the ox, which is the 10-step or 12-step, step-by-step progression of enlightenment as taught in Zen, is made up of three characters. So I feel that they kind of have a trinity within their storytelling, because it involves three characters. The first, the oxard, who is to an ox what a shepherd is to a sheep, is the subject of the story. He appears first, which is kind of like us as separate beings. And he takes on the object of the wild ox, who represents both the object of our subjective awareness, but also it could be discussed psychologically as the ego and the illusion that you create as a child of a separate being and he's taming this comprehension of the illusion of separateness until the subject and the object meld into the light of the full moon with that full moon representing the true self of oneness that Buddhists believe we all are. Now, one other Eastern religion is Jaina. It's one of the smallest, probably because it's one of the most peaceful, so it's trampled on by all the more aggressive religions. But it believes in three jewels of correctness. They believe there is a correct belief that your soul or or infinite comprehension can take on, and that correct belief will lead you to having the correct knowledge. And once your mind attains the correct knowledge, you can perform the correct conduct with your body. So here you have the body, mind, and spirit idea of a lot of Western thought as expressed in the Eastern side. Now, one of the newest Indian religions is also one of the largest. This is the third largest religion there and it's Sikhism and they teach a very new trinity which I thought Unitarians could probably relate to the easiest because their three postulates are real familiar to a lot of aspects of Unitarians their first one says that spirit and matter are one and you can see right there they have the same problem with the duality of spirit matter that Unitarians had with the Trinity of Father, Son, and Ghost. So they have a lot of Unitarian in their sense of just having a oneness idea. Their second postulate is that only humans can help evolution. They're the only sentient beings that have the power to actually influence evolution, which I think a lot of the humanists Unitarians emphasize this connection of human responsibility for their behavior and for the preservation of existence on our planet, whereas their third postulate, any vision of God must include a vision of humans, kind of summarizes the social emphasis that Unitarians have on making physical changes for the humans they in uh deal with right here and now rather than saving them to heaven in years to come. Now my personal favorite Eastern religion is Taoism. And Taoism has three treasures. And I'll quote them from one of the main books in uh, Taoism, the Tao Te Ching, in chapter sixty seven the Tao says, I have always possessed three treasures that I guard and cherish. The first is compassion. The second is frugality. And the third is not placing myself first ahead of all the world. Now most translations translate that as humility, and I did to fit it in the triangle, but the topic itself, as is quoted there, not placing myself ahead of all the world, is certainly enough room for someone else to turn that into a sermon all its own. Now, Taoism is probably understood easiest by looking at the name of the book, Tao, De, and Qing, where the word Qing, which many interpret as book, actually comes from the a Base word, older word of interwoven. And Taoism interweaves the Tao, which is the eternal source of all being and existence and the laws of gravity and natural selection and all that, interweaving that with individual existence to where if you are in harmony as an individual existence with these rules and laws of existence then you will have Te which is virtue or integrity and in, when you do get in harmony with the Tao it will promote these three treasures of frugality, compassion and not putting yourself first among the world so Pick a religion. I'll, I'll take the chart back to the back. You, if you're interested in one, write it down and Google it and see if there's a trinity that you can incorporate into your personal path. And uh, I'll close with a summary, again, from the Tao Te Ching, because I think it kind of summarizes what this talk is about. It says in chapter 42... The Tao gave birth to unity. Unity. Oneness. What uh, most of the Eastern religions believe is what true reality is, and we can comprehend that with the right teachings. Unity gave birth to duality. If you have a thing, then naturally you have no thing. So you've created a duality by having a oneness. And this kind of summarizes one of the arguments still going on in Eastern thought. Half of the Vedic teachers and students believe that the oneness is a being, and the other half believe that the true oneness is no Thing because there is no duality. And then the Tao Te Ching says, duality gives birth to Trinity. And in my understanding, Trinity, the third thing is like Buber says, if you have two things, you have a relation between those things. So this, I feel, summarizes not only... The talk today, but it also summarizes the foundation of our thought process, where we, a subject, comprehend an object, something else, and then have a relationship between those two. But it also has the advantage of pulling us back to Western thought, because this is kind of the foundation of computer language. You be you're either on or you're off. And there's a relation between those on's and off's, and that's basically all the electricity in the computer uses to generate all the intelligence or knowledge within. So now that we've returned to Western thought, let me conclude with one finalizing, totally perplexing, some quote from another of the old Taoist books. The book of the Chang, written by Chang Zhu. And he says, Suddenly there is something or nothing. But between something and nothing, I still don't really know which is something and which is nothing. Now I've just said something, but I really don't know whether I've said something or not.